Greetings and welcome to another episode of The Deal Flow Show. I'm JP Maroney, your host, along with my co-host, Mr. Paul Nicolini, from here at the team at Harbor City and The Deal Flow Show. And uh, I've got a guy actually comes from sort of my background and world in the internet marketing space. I remember seeing Brock and um, what was the first name of your partner at the time when you did Pipeline? Oh, B- uh, Buck. Buck. Buck and Brock. And uh, they did a program. We're going to talk a little bit about how you got started in business and the path of college versus where you ended up going. But I've also watched Brock over the last few years on LinkedIn, which was something we talked about offline, doing, I think, an exceptional job of sort of in a soft way or a layout type of way of marketing using LinkedIn or social media without being obnoxious or in your face. And I yes. definitely want to get into that because the deal flow show is literally by its name and, and mandate all about deal flow. And you've been able to build a nice pipeline of deal flow using social media. So I want to jump into that. But before we do, let's go back a little bit and talk about you played football, right? Nebraska. And then Talk about the uh, you know college versus getting involved in business, and then we'll bring you all the way to where you are as the co-founder and partner with Salt City Partners there in Salt, Sa- Salt Lake City, Utah. So growing up, I'd always you know played football. Thought I was going to play football professionally, or that's what my goal was. And uh, one summer, I came home from college, and I um, I started a cell phone business with some buddies, and we ended up opening up twelve stores pretty quick. I remember calling one of my coaches. I'm like, hey, I'm not really sure what to enroll in this next semester. I want to be a doctor maybe, or I want to do something with business. I think this next month I'll do like 200 grand. And uh, what kind of job should I get or kind of classes should I take so that I can continue to make that kind of money every month? And he's like, what, you're making how much? I was like, well, we just started the company. So I think, is that good? Like, is that good? Is that bad? He's like, you're not coming back to school. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And uh, I was like, you're not supposed to be telling me that. Aren't you supposed to be like, and uh, he's like, look, man, you're, whatever you guys are doing, it's going really well. Cell phones are going to be really big. You should do it. So anyways, I stayed. And uh, and then we ended up having a pretty decent exit a couple months later. Um, AirTouch um, came in and bought out another company. And then I think Verizon, which bought out us, that then Verizon, I think, came in and swallowed everybody up. But I was just in the right place at the right time back then. So that was one of my first uh, really big deals. Kind of a funny deal too is uh, one of the things that I made a lot of money with, but isn't like very cool to talk about is I lived in an apartment complex at the time and I was actually going out to the dumpsters on the weekends. It was like a luxury rental and I would pull the furniture out because a lot of CEOs and uh, you know C-suite type people would live there just temporarily and they throw away all this really nice furniture every weekend. So um, I'd go out to the dumpsters, grab it. I'd put an ad like on the Arizona Republic, you know, beautiful love seat for sale. And I get people that would come out to my place to look at it. And I was making like 10, 20 grand a month just selling furniture that I didn't even own. And uh, and the, furniture, the apartment people came to me and they're like, hey, we have no idea what you're doing. I'm like, oh man, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. They're like, hey, would you do it at uh, other six places? Because when you sell it, we don't have to pay the truck to come pick it up. So like, are you serious? Yeah, I'll do it. So I, I was making a lot of money selling furniture I didn't even own. And I was about to get married at the time. And so my wife, future wife came to me and said, um, uh, what do you do for a living? I was like, uh, I'm in the furniture business. I have showrooms all around town. And uh, so anyways, that was like one of my, that business and then the cell phone business kind of got my me started. 
And then from there, it kind of escalated. I got a call from Kevin Harrington, who's uh, on Shark Tank. And he said, hey, I heard that you're doing all kinds of, like you're just selling stuff online like crazy. Um, would you consider moving your people into my office? And when a deal comes in, you can, um, you do the internet side, I'll do the infomercial side and we'll just do deals. And so I, so for, I don't know, a couple of years, I just sat in a boardroom and deals would come in and I mean, I did, we've got to work with 50 cent vanilla ice, George Foreman. I got to work on his projects. I mean, it was just deal after deal after literally every day I would see 20 to 30 deals. What was the, let me ask you a question because in entrepreneurship, a lot of times it's fire ready aim, right? Um, stuff comes across your desk. And then at other times you have people say, oh, you really need to plan it out, put it together, et cetera. This is two examples, three then, I guess, really, but that were very opportunistic. In other words, it laid out in front of you and you grabbed it. How important do you think it is to be ready to to pounce or, or jump on an opportunity, but also to balance that with not getting bright, shiny object syndrome and getting distracted? I think a lot of that has to deal with what your strategy is, right? Because like I'm in, I'm on the more on the product side right now. And so on the product side, I want to test something before I invest in it. So, so to me, I think a lot of the planning is just overkill. I'm working on a project right now where uh, we're acquiring fashion brands because uh, e-commerce is booming right now. And uh, I have some partners in one of them. They're like, oh, well, let's build a website. Let's do this. Um, let's figure out the fulfillment, the shipping, and let's figure out where we're going to get our capital from and do this and that. And, and it's been like four or five weeks. Finally, I'm like, no, everybody stop. I'm going to run some ads. We're going to see if it sells in 12 hours. I'll let you know if we're going to move forward or not on this deal. And that, so to me, it's, it's a little bit different, but that's pretty unique to it. But on our real estate stuff that we're doing now, um, it's kind of the opposite. Like I don't, it, a lot of that is also, I just don't know a lot about real estate. We're going to be very elastic and perhaps nonlinear here. And I'm going to jump forward and talk a little bit about some of the current stuff, but with Salt City Partners, I've watched, in fact, you and I discussed me coming up and kind of being on a little panelist thing at one point at one of y'all's pitch deals. Talk a little bit about the, the deal flow process you've seen through those pitch events. Um, maybe a little bit about how y'all put that together. I think there's an opportunity for that kind of thing to be going on in, you know, around the nation. Okay. Uh, so this is kind of interesting. So I, I've had some small exits over the last... Uh, decade and then i moved out to salt lake i'm actually originally from la and i moved out to salt lake and i didn't know anybody here and i wanted to get involved in the vc world but i, I don't you know i'm not sitting on a hundred million dollars and I, I i just don't have the capital to be like a vc or a big angel and, and quite frankly i just wanted to learn how to do i'm still trying to figure out what i want to be when i grow up so so part of that is is i love looking at deals to figure that out so so what I started doing was I opened up a Facebook account and a LinkedIn account, and I just started posting, hey, if anybody's looking for funds, um, hit me up and I'll see if I can put stuff together. I had no money, right? Like I had no money to, to do anything. So I just sent, sent it over. So immediately I got 50 to 100 deals that came through. Some of them were real estate, some of them were clothing, some were products. Most of them I had no idea what to do with. Well, at the same exact time, all of a sudden investors started hitting me up saying, Hey, I heard that you're looking for all these deals. I got money. It's like, huh? So all of a sudden 
within 30 to 60 days, I had this huge business where these people were looking for money. These people had money and it was just like a, more of a matchmaking thing. So I, it got a little out of control to the point where it was like, I was sending too many emails going back and forth and trying to introduce people. And my incentive for doing it was, is I wasn't like uh, trying to raise capital or do anything like that. Cause I was too nervous about the, you know, all the le legalities of it. I just figured if I can get someone money, then I could do their marketing and I can make a ton of money off of uh, like a marketing contract. Cause most people didn't have money to hire me. Um, so that was how I did it. So then I started doing these pit like short tank. Right. So I just said, Hey, this is too difficult. If you have a project and you want to get it funded, email it to me. And if it's cool, then I'll bring you up on stage for seven minutes and you can explain it to people. So I went to, there's a really, really cool um, environment out here in Salt Lake called Silicon Slopes. And they um, offered their facility to me and that holds about 250 to 300 people. And they said, you know, you'll probably get four or five investors that'll show up and then you'll, you know, you'll get a lot of product companies. I had over a hundred investment, I had over a hundred investment groups show up. I had angels, VC, I mean, I had everybody. And I had big uh, funds, billion dollar funds come and their grandkids had a couple hundred grand that they'd given them, the grandpa or whoever get them to teach them how to invest. We had sophisticated investors, just everybody. So um, I had, so one of the secrets to doing it was, is we had probably 100, 200, I had probably 100 to 200 companies that applied, but um, I didn't tell anybody who was gonna come up on stage until the event. So everybody showed up ready to go. We had a line out the door. We had over 100 different investors there. People were ready to write checks. And it was, it was chaos. I'm like, hey, the next person up is such and such company. And like everyone would cheer, whatever, and come up, they'd come up on stage. And it got, it got, crazy how many like the it was amazing for the companies because all of a sudden it put them in control right like at most events and things they're trying to convince the investors they're trying to work really hard but at this event it put them in control because now all of a sudden there was a hundred investors that all wanted to work with them and they got to choose who they wanted so there was deals going on in the corner Here, here's kind of a funny story one of the questions that you guys asked me is like tell me about like one of the deals that got away so, so one of the companies that I did not want to bring up on stage, the guy was driving me crazy. He was in the front corner and just kept, am I up? Am I up? I'm like, no, I'll let you know. Then we'd start doing the thing. Am I up? I'm like, no. Finally, like, you need to leave. And he's like, I'm not leaving until I get up. So literally we had like five minutes left at the end of the event. I'm like, fine. We got five minutes. This guy right here that's a pain in the ass is going to come up and do it. So he gets up on stage and he has a backpack on. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be horrible. It's a backpack. The guy's going to sell a kid's backpack. He's like, yeah, imagine you're going to school and like there's an active shooter and you pull these things. And all of a sudden he has like, has like this bubble around him, like this bulletproof thing. Uh, oh, that's all right. That's kind of weird. But um, he's like, I need $2 million to do this deal because I, whatever I want to, like, there's no way. Get off stage. We only do 100 to 200 grand. Like we do seed stuff. Get off stage. So he gets off stage and the event clears out and I see that he's over in the corner with like, I call them my whales cause they're, they're different than sharks. They're bigger, they're retired, they swim slower, but they also need the shark anyways. So he's with one of the whales and I'm like, what's going on? He's like, yeah, I'm gonna give him the $2 million. I'm like, I have nothing to do with this deal. I'm not involved. I don't approve of it. He's like, it's okay. I just got on the phone. I work with a Mexican the country of Mexico, their police department, they're going to order $6 million worth of 
I was like, wow. what? You got funded and they're profitable within, yeah. And now they're off doing a bunch of stuff. They send me, you know, they send me text messages every now and then of them like doing deals with other countries and stuff. But um, so that was like one of the examples, but a lot of, so I've had crazy deals like that, everything from AI to tech to real estate. And uh, and that was like the one deal that- um, Got away. Yeah, they got away, yeah. Well, it's funny because we've talked about this. I did an event, in fact, our CTO, I think you may know Jay, but Jay Benoit, sitting off camera here. He and I know, I did an event a few years ago, well, a few, eight years ago, nine years ago, and same kind of thing, it was a matchmaking event, but it's more for joint ventures, like you would remember back to the strategic alliance days of promoting each other online. And I put an event together, marrying up and matching people up with lists and product and webinars and product launches and that kind of thing. And I remember one of the speakers that came to the event, and he was also a big event guy. He pulled me aside on the platform at one point, and he said, I had everybody at roundtables doing deals. And he points out there and he said, you see all this? There's millions of dollars worth of deals going on out here, and you're not getting a dime <laughs> off of it. And so, you know, that. so that's my question. Did you ever figure out a way either using Carry, or is that how Salt City Partners came about? Or did you find a way to position yourself into these deals uh, in, in the matchmaking process in, in a legal way that is compliant? So in a lot of the deals now, we're syndicating them. Uh, so one of my partners that I brought in, I, I brought in a couple of different partners. So this is really funny. Um, a couple of years ago, this guy hits me up on Facebook and says, um, uh, hey, I'm Rick, and one of the nicest uh, people I've ever met in my life. Um, do you know who I am? And I'm like, no. He's like, we should go to launch. I'm like, no. Um, he's like, well, like Google me. So I, I did. I, okay, we should go to launch. Uh, he had sold a company for 900 million and then another one for like 1.2 billion. Um, and uh, he's like, I see all the stuff that you post on Facebook. Um, it's a little bit like you're not very organized and all this stuff, but I'll, I'll fund your deals. I was like, okay. And then he just got up and left. And uh, I was like, okay, that's uh, great. So, so yeah, so we have figured that out, but I'll, I'll, I'll this is a good story. I got to tell you about this one real quick though. Another one is these guys came to us with these shelters that um, they wanted to put in schools. So if there's a hurricane or an active shooter, this another active shooter thing, but um, they would, the kids could run into them. And the guy came and he said, Hey, it's about a million dollars for us to do each one of these schools. And I've got 300 schools. I need about 80 million now to get this deal done. Um, can you help me out? And I'm like, no, I don't think so. I mean, that's a huge, I mean, I'm doing a hundred, 200, 300, 500 grand on some of these. So, um, I decided I'm just going to call Rick and ask him. So I called Rick and he's like, Hey, let's just meet for, for lunch or whatever. So we sit down about five minutes. We don't, we haven't even ordered yet. I'm like, so here's the deal. This is how they're doing. It's more of a finance thing. Um, they'll pay us 12% every 90 days on it. Um, here's how we'll, you know, secure it. We'll do like the UCC file, blah, blah, blah. He's like, okay. Gets up and walks out. I'm like, I don't, what does, I don't know what that, like, what is it? Like, okay. So, um, uh, so then yeah, I was really confused. So the guys called me like, Hey, how'd the meeting go? I'm like, I don't know. They're like, well, did you present it to him? I'm like, yeah, I did. I presented it to him. What did he say? Okay. Like, well, what else? I'm like, I don't know. He just said, okay. And he left. And then a couple hours later, I get a call from this attorney. He's like, hey, I'm so-and-so's attorney. Can you give me some of the bullet points, blah, blah, blah. And he sent over a contract for $80 million to give to these guys. I mean, obviously we chunked it, 
but it would literally so my point is like you know for your show is you just have to ask like you never you never really know and so yeah we have figured out ways to do them on the real estate side it's super easy but on and then on the debt side it's super easy too on the equity it's a little bit obviously tricky but um but anyways yeah we've i think uh with the partners that i've had and their groups and my groups i think we there's been somewhere around like 300 and something million dollars raised over the last couple of years. Very nice. With, with uh, Brock, with all the, all the, you know, the deals that you've got coming your way, what's, what kind of due diligence process do you guys have? And also with that, what are the red flags that you look for? Let's say if somebody's bringing you a product and you, you see a red flag, how do you get out of that? Then? So what I've learned is um, I'm not a big finance guy. But uh, what I've learned is there's always got to be a way to like secure the deal, right? But really what it comes down to is the person. Like if, if, it doesn't really, you could have some crazy business, but if you put like Warren Buffett in there, he's going to turn it profitable, right? Or, or Bill Gates or something like that. So a lot of it just comes down to who they are. And, a lot, and if they're a new entrepreneur and they have no idea what they're doing, that's fine too. But who is on their team? You know, like, have they gone out and are they willing to find? So that's, that's a big part of it is really, honestly, the deal doesn't really matter as, as much as like who it is. Another red flag is when they send you like four deals, like, oh, this is the best deal in the world. Oh, and this one is too. And this one is too. Um, okay. Um, and then we always, we always on the, on the equity side, uh, we always fund deals that have two found like two co-founders. Um, yeah, I don't, it's, I don't, as far as like that stuff goes, I'm not like a finance person. It's gotta be really cut and dry for me. Like we'll give you this amount of money and we've got this much, uh, collateral. We have these contracts that'll back it up. We have this in the process, or we're going to bring on this person on board. Or one of my favorite things is when they come in and like, Hey, I've got this great idea. This great company. Would you run it with us? You know, and that, and, and we love, love, love those deals. Where you can get your get involved and have a value add on top of the money. Yeah, yeah, we love the value add. Well, plus we love running and I love doing marketing. Like our favorite thing is to put money into deals where we can do the marketing and sure they get sales or they're acquiring customers or, yeah. Are y'all still doing any of the um, uh Indiegogo type product, pre-sales product launches anymore? Is that world dead? I know you were doing those two or three years ago and had some big volume ones. Yeah. So we had a partner in our office that was doing them and he mainly was overseeing them. And I think at, at one point it was like 90 something million dollars had been raised through that. Um, we, we have been doing them and we have some that we're doing right now, but um, we just haven't gotten a lot of products for them. So it's kind of died down just in the fact that it's still a great way to raise money. It's still, it still is fairly easy to do as far as the marketing and to raise the capital. But um, we just, as far as our office goes, we just haven't seen a lot of, we just haven't had a lot of deals come that have been that. What regulation are most of these early raises coming under? Are they, are they Reg D's, 506, C, B, Reg A's, all the above? What, what are you doing? There's not a lot of Reg A's. Um, a lot of them have been debt deals that we've been doing for whatever reason, a lot of people that have come to us haven't wanted to do the equity. Hmm. Um, and then we've gotten our real estate side has been booming. 
Like we, and I believe it's because of COVID. I think a lot of builders lost, unfortunately, you know, went through a rough time and, and, uh, and there's a lot of properties that we've been just gobbling up or trying to. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You were well, do you, uh, so is there a big appetite in your network for real estate then? Yeah. Real estate and product company. We're, we're, we're trying as fast as we can to um, acquire as many e-commerce businesses as we either previous retail businesses and or e-commerce businesses and real estate. Those are our main focuses right now. How much are y'all involved in the e-commerce businesses? Are, are those ones where you're getting in and bringing the value add, or you're just trying to bundle them? What, what what's the what's the ultimate goal? Most of the e-commerce stuff is we're running ninety percent of it. Um, some of them have come to so there's some really good brands which um, I won't like. One of them that's really really exciting is is it's Miley and Molly. Um, they were in I think Nordstrom's and some other twenty million dollar a year business. Um, they came and just basically said, Hey, we're going through this thing right now because of COVID where they're not really, but their retailers are, would you guys consider just taking over our e-commerce and running with it? And so, so that was, that one is a really fun, fun deal that we have right now. And there's a lot of ones that are similar, either we're uh, some, uh, more unfortunate ones, but we're excited about our people will come to us and say, Hey, I own a fashion brand. I've got $14 million in inventory sitting in a warehouse out here. I don't know what to do. Like I owe the bank this much money and we jump on those in a second because we can sell all the product online. We're fine putting up the money or working with the bank. Um, and a lot of the deals that we're getting right now are coming from banks. They're just calling us saying, Hey, this retail brand is uh, going out of business or they just need help. They owe us on a note. Can you come in? Will you take over the note or will you partner with them? And then, uh, and what's really, really cool about it is in a lot of cases, the banks are even willing to invest in it. Like they're, they're even willing to put up money for marketing uh, or to do other acquisitions that make the deal make sense. So if you're watching or listening to this episode of the Deal Flow Show, you can get access to our archives, our previous episodes, as well as follow us and subscribe to get access to our future episodes at thedealflowshow.com. We've got Brock Felt from Salt City Partners with us. We've been jumping around a lot, um, but you said something very interesting. So getting deal flow from the banks, can you go into that at all anymore? Or I mean, I, I've got to believe that as much... You know, well, I put it this way. I went into one of our banks when PPP was very first being announced. And I was in making some wire transactions and I was talking to one of the bankers. And he said, I got 37 or 38 voicemail messages this morning, some from business owners nearly in tears saying, when are we going to get the money? And this was back in the beginning. And it was weeks before they were even going to see any of the money. So I got to believe that there are lots of opportunities out there like you're describing. Talk to me a little bit about the deal flow from the banks. There's banks that will loan either on a merchant cash advance or business line of credit or whatever. Um, I'll I'll just go over two of them real quick. Um, One of them, they just happen to be fashion, but one of them is a men's clothing line. It's a very popular brand. They're based out of New York. They have offices everywhere. Um, the bank called me and said, hey, we have $6 million worth of inventory. These guys owe us $2 million. Um, would you consider buying it or taking it over? And I was just very busy that day. And I just said, I don't, 
I don't know if I'm willing going to put it. I don't know if I'm willing to put any more of my money in. It would probably cost me a couple hundred grand in marketing, which really, I mean, really for five or ten grand, I could test something. But you know, I'd, I'd have to deploy some capital, and I'm not really sure. And he's like, "Well, what do you mean?" I'm like, "Well, I'd probably put a hundred, two hundred grand into it because I'd hire some influencers, I'd do some Facebook ads, and I'm not really. I'm just really busy right now. I don't know if I want to put another hundred to two hundred grand into something. I will." So the bank, the banker said, "I will." I was like, "Uh, okay. Well, what? Talk to me." He's like, "No, we have budgets for this stuff. Um, if you'll take over this brand, how much do you need?" I was like, "I don't know. Uh, two hundred grand." Okay. Um, but we also have history with them, right? They know we can sell stuff, so he just basically said, "Okay, um, let's do a deal." Can you, I need, I need to get my $2 million back. Anything above and beyond that, you can charge fees or do whatever and keep. So, and so that was a really good deal. And then another, um, that was out of New York and Atlanta. And then another one that was in uh, Provo area, Provo, Utah, they have, I think $20 million in inventory there. And I, and I went there and I walked in and there was like three football fields full of clothes, just everything, just tons of inventory. Was this the picture you posted? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I walked in there and I'm, and the owners and everybody there, they're like almost in tears because their company is going down or whatever. And I'm almost in tears because I'm so happy that there's $20 million worth of inventory in the United States. Because most of the stuff right now is getting caught up in China, everywhere. So you can't get inventory in. So I'm almost in tears. I'm like, you guys are sitting on a gold mine. So I'm also very terrible at deals. I should have never said that, but I'm like, you guys are sitting on a gold mine. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, oh man, here I go. I did it again. Um, you have $20 million worth of inventory in the United States. You're like, I know, isn't that horrible? I'm like, no, it's amazing. There, nobody has product right now. They're like, what? Uh, like, yeah, you need to call this company, this company, this company. And yeah, and then I went back and my partner's like, did you buy it? Did you buy it? I'm like, uh, no, but we're partners with them now. They're going to sell it <laughs> um, So we just said, everybody's desperate for product right now. And I think everyone moved their Black Fridays up. And I think Amazon did their Prime Day a little bit early. So, uh, or they did it late, but prior to Black Friday. And so um, companies are looking for product right now. So if you know of companies that have inventory polis um yeah so so anyways those are deals with the, the banks have tons and tons of deals right now of companies that have defaulted and there's a way that you can go in and ethically help them um and you can also get really good deal flow and most cases the banks have already budgeted into their loans some sort of uh like service fee or marketing things so that they can liquidate or they can get out of the deal very good. Sounds like COVID really has helped him out. I mean, with, with all the deals you got coming, it's probably right. COVID has actually been good to you. It's kind of sad to say, but. Yeah. It is. So on some of the deals, we, I was ordering product from China and I got my butt handed to me. But the other part of it is, is so I'm a single dad. I've got four kids I'm raising. And when COVID hit, I remember just sitting in my house. I'm like, oh man, and I got these four kids like running around. Like, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I got all this inventory and it was like, I'm just going to take a couple of days. And then all of a sudden the phone started ringing from all these banks. Well, I started posting and then the phone started ringing. So I'm literally, I think right now we've got nine or 10. We just have a lot of stuff that we're doing, but we couldn't go anywhere because of COVID. So we're like doing, 
doing all these deals with banks and everything, got all these kids running around and it. Yeah. It's been amazing. Um, it, yeah, it's horrible to say cause so many people are going through a tough time, but it has been really good. Yeah. Yeah. Did you come up with the idea? Cause I just read recently, did you come up with the idea as a result of COVID with the black, was it black Friday, Utah or something? Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, so there's a lot of retail companies and there's a lot of really cool companies that are out here in Utah that are struggling because they don't want to pay the rents in the malls because they're not really sure if people are going to come out there. And, um, and so we reached out to a bunch of them and we're, we're going to launch blackfridayutah.com next week. And basically instead of going to the malls or going to the stores, you can just come online and we have all the best black Friday deals in Utah on, on the site. So we reached out to some really cool local companies here. Um, uh, one of them, Skull Candy. Another one's Cotopaxi, Kemper Snowboards, uh, Traeger Grills. There's a lot of really, really cool companies that are out here. And then there's hundreds and hundreds of other um, companies that have products that are they're a little bit nervous. So we, I did a couple of posts um, just saying, hey, if you have a product and you want us to put it online so that you can sell your Black Friday stuff too. And... Um, we have 65,000 people signed up for our launch um, in a week or two weeks. And I didn't start with an email list. I didn't, all I did was I've only done one post so far on my LinkedIn and on my Facebook. That's incredible, isn't it? Wait, but I wanted to ask him, though. You, you said a term before I wasn't familiar with. What's, what's a mall? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it is. It's unfortunate, right? These stores are going. Absolutely. Wow. And then, of course, that's presenting opportunities for people that are repurposing mall properties Correct. for other things now, yep. which is interesting. Um, at the end of the day, I remember years ago, there was a guy that was real instrumental in changing, shifting my mindset about business and success. And I heard him speak and he talked about, he said, become a, if you want something, a skill that'll make you successful, whether times are good or times are bad, become a trader. He was from Australia. It took me a bit to figure out what he was talking about, but he was talking about really being a deal maker. Like he said, don't own him don't, I mean, don't own uh, manufacturing and equipment and all this stuff. Put deals together. together, put opportunities together, yeah. and you've yeah. done this very effectively. Absolutely. Where ha has that muscle come from? Like, I, I know you started out, you talked a little bit about the early days, but has anything happened over the years that for you was pivotal to to open your mind to a different way of seeing things? Um, I think part of it is just from like owning from owning my own businesses and you get pitched all the time from stuff and you know that they know that it's not a match for your company, but they just keep just blowing smoke at you. And, and it, it just gets really frustrating. And one of the things that I've kind of prided myself on and putting these deals together is really genuinely finding out what people need, right. And, or genuinely what people are looking for. And, and a lot of that just comes out in, in the simplicity of like my LinkedIn post. Like I have someone that will come to me and they'll say, I have $400,000 and I want to do real estate. So I just post that on my LinkedIn. I got a buddy that's got 400 grand and he wants to do real estate. It's just that like, there's not, and, it, and then, but I also, where I've really in knowing that like someone could tell me something and I could tell you right away, like five companies that have that need that. Uh, and it would be a really, really good match for them. And that's just come a little bit over time. 
but like genuinely just sitting down with people and figuring out, and it just facilitates things so much faster too. If, you know, so I, yeah, I don't, I'm not really sure other than just owning my own business and knowing that, you know, you just can't do deals and you, and I've just got tired of people basically lying to me saying that their product or their service was a match and it wasn't. Yeah. Mike Tyson is quoted as saying, everybody has a great plan until they get hit in the face or something of that nature. Um, I want to talk a little bit about when things go wrong, but before we do that, if you're watching or listening to this episode of The Deal Flow Show, you can get access to our archives, our previous episodes, as well as subscribe and follow us to get access to our future episodes. Now, th over 30 episodes strong and, and growing yeah. in season yeah. one. It's been amazing. Great awesome. guest like we have, Mr. Brock Felt, today. You can get access to all of that by going to The Deal Flow Show dot com the dealflowshow.com again back to Brock Felt from Salt City Partners. So when everything doesn't go well, it it does go back in many ways to mindset, but what is your process for dealing with setbacks, failures, what I call learning opportunities? My whales. So I, I jokingly I I jokingly said um that I have a group out here, but I really do. I call my Salt City Whales. And these are people that um, that are retired, that are uh, or still active, but have had nice exits, um, have been really good men. Uh, they've just had a lot of success in business. And one of them is Rick, uh, the gentleman I was telling you about before. Um, one of the, and the other part of it is is just being brutally honest with stuff. So there's there have been a lot of deals where we've we've come in and we're doing something, and it's just not going as well as it could. And there's ways that we could like cover it up and just kind of delay it for a little while. But I, I've noticed with a lot of these guys, if I just go to them right away, I'm like, Hey, this happened. I don't know what to do. It, immediately they pick up the phone and there's like 10 different people that they can call. My, my biggest gift, I think, and recently has just been in, in networking and being, and, and being brave enough, or I guess humble enough in some cases to just say, you don't know. And, and to reach out and um and that's where most deals every deal every single deal i've ever done or ever worked on at some point goes at some point it goes into a danger zone right like like there's just some there's some little thing you forgot about something happens with some paperwork something happens with some government regulation just something right every single deal that i've worked on I can't think of one that has gone exactly whether it's been real estate or e-commerce or something, something always does. And, uh, and I think the, the secret to the, like dealing with that stuff is to know that it's happening and, and, and move fast, like immediately figure out the solution. And a lot of times that solution means swallow your pride and call someone. We've had uh, two former NFL guys on the show. And you also were a college athlete. Tell us about your mindset back then, and how does that translate into today your today's business for yourself? You know, that's a really good question because there's been a lot of times in my life, well, in business, when things aren't really going well, and this this like guy Rick will come to me and he'll be like, "Dude, were you a linebacker?" I'm like, "Yeah." So why are you acting like this? I'm like, "Oh, like." <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I am kind of being soft, huh? He's like, yeah, why are you doing that? Um, so a lot of times they call it, and, and I know that this is probably really bad, but I love working with people that have played team sports before because they they have that like mentality. But yeah, every now and then it slips. And usually when it's 
when a deal's slipping, it's because of something like that. But um, yeah, you've got to be really aggressive. One of the things I've noticed too over the last little while is people that are successful, man, they just ask the most awkward questions. Like they're willing to put themselves out there and ask the questions, even when they're not supposed to, even when someone, are, they just keep asking those awkward questions. And you're like, oh, it's just brutal to watch. But then they're like, and then they get a deal done. And you're like, oh my gosh, that was like stressful. Um, and I need to be better at that. But a lot of that just reminds me of like sports. Like you've got to be super aggressive about stuff. There's, what, I don't know how many billions of people. I was telling my son this today. He's like, dad, is there a business that, uh, that I could like start and it would have like no maintenance costs? Uh, like I wouldn't have to do it. I'm like, All right, son, sit down. Do you know how many people are on this planet right now? And he's like, I don't know, five billion. I'm like, yeah. There's five billion people that are all locked. They're all somehow tied in their up in their homes. They can't go out. And you know what? Five billion people are trying to figure out what to do right now. He's like, I don't know, make money online. Yeah. So you've got to be willing to do stuff that other people aren't. And sometimes it's as little as just even like doing the networking stuff or posting stuff. It doesn't have to be like some crazy thing, but it's sometimes it's just a, a, the little awkwardness of asking questions or doing that awkward post or, or that awkward reach out. But yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, you've got to be aggressive. You mentioned influencers in moving product. Can you talk a little bit about the deal process of working with influencers? Because I think that's a really interesting few opportunity on the table right now. I'll just tell you my experience with influencers and then I'm not sure specifically what you're asking for. Um, I really do like working with influencers. I don't like working with influencers who aren't educated and who aren't truly influential. And what I mean by that is most influencers will charge you the rate of what it, of what they're actually going to sell. So if you go to an influencer, like it's a thousand dollars for me to do a post. Usually that influencer is probably going to do a thousand, a couple thousand dollars in sales. Uh, that's just been what my experience has been. Um, unless you're using like Kim Kardashian or something like that. Um, but they, so with the influencers, most of the time they'll just do, you know, they'll just show the product or whatever. If you pay them a thousand bucks, they do a thousand bucks. But if you ask them for ad access and you say, look, I need access to your, just that post, just that part of your account. And I will run and I will pay for ads on your account and it will, it will get you more followers. Then they love it. But then part of that is, is, but I also need you to be educated on the product and I'm going to write a script and I'm going to show, tell you, I'm going to give you talking points that, um, so I want you to try out the product and I want you to tell me what you like about it. And then based on what they like about it, then you help them write the set. The more that they say on the post, the more it will bring in. But to get an influencer or somebody that's not like a Gary Vee or something like that to do it, it's very hard. They're very, they get it's hard for them. So you've really got to like work with them. But there's been some influencers where um, through some of the projects, you'll pay them like $2,000, you'll get ad access to it, and you'll do like 50 grand in sales. But, um, but it's all like a process to making that work. Um, what's been really nice about the COVID thing is at first, all the influencers were charging a lot, but since a lot of companies have been going out of business, they're not willing to pay as much. And it's taken them a while to lower their prices but now a lot of influencers are very very inexpensive they're more than willing to work with you and they would love to give you ad access to their account now on ad access you can't change anything you can't go like 
you know, put whatever you want. It's just the opportunity to run traffic to the, whatever they've done. And if you and if you involve the influencer, let them know it's going to build their business as well. It's not just like some post. Then you get like a five to ten x return on it. Right. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to reach out? And what kind of people would you like to hear from from our audience? I love looking at deals, especially e-commerce or retail stuff. I love real estate deals. Um, investors are welcome to as well. And you can also just email, just email me, brock at soulcitypartners.com. Uh, the, the best thing to do is on social media. Like I, I love it when people hit me up with deals or want to work with us on social media because then you can see all the other stuff that we're doing. So then by the time it comes to like work on your project, you already know what we're doing, you know, who we are, you know, who my partners are. Fantastic. I was going to ask, uh, do you want to briefly talk about what's behind you, Toro? Yeah. Yeah. So this is actually, so I was at the gym. I go to, a, I'm, yeah, I'm, I've made most of my money, I think in life by just being in the right place at the right time. So I go to like a very uh, nice gym just because there's a really cool people that hang out there. And the gentleman, the guy that's the CEO here uh, hit me up. He's like, hey, I, uh, I, someone told me that you like help companies get money together. Or you do marketing or something. You help us out. And uh, so like, sure. So I came in and he's like, yeah, we're helping businesses. We help entrepreneurs rate, uh, do debt stuff. So we'll do like merchant cash advance. Um, I was like, no, that's cool. You know, whatever. Yeah, we're making about 49% on our money every 80 days. I was like, oh, that's really impressive. Um, so they've just asked, um, I'm, I'm helping them right now to, uh, to get some debt lines and some other things. So it's, yeah, it's looking really, really good. So they, they actually let me use their office today. Well, if you're sitting out there watching or listening to this episode and you're going, man, this guy's a really good guest. Uh, maybe I'd be a really good guest too. Be sure to go to the website at thedealflowshow.com. There should be a link to apply as a guest or even suggest a guest for the show. Brock Felt from Salt City Partners, um, been in contact, talked a few times, been in contact for a while, and I learned more about you today. I really uh, appreciate you coming on the show and sharing with us a little bit about your process. And uh, maybe we can have you back on another future show in, in another up and coming I have a season. Feel, I have a feeling we're gonna be talking to Brock quite a bit. Yeah, abso <laughs> absolutely. So um, if you are watching this episode of the show, you can go to thedealflowshow.com to get access to our archives and future episodes. Until next time, I'm JP Maroney. This is Mr. Paul Nicolini. And on behalf of the Deal Flow Show team and Harbor City Capital, we'll see you again very, very soon. Take care, everybody. Thanks, Bye -bye. Brock. For more episodes, visit thedealflowshow.com and subscribe.